0: Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to my new home. Welcome to my new background. I have a piano now <laughs> for those of you who are watching us on YouTube. Um, welcome again to season three. As you know, this is a very important season to me. It is a very personal season. Um, we are talking about women's, whether it's their chronic illnesses, their conditions, or their disorders. Um, Just a disclaimer to let you know, uh, neither our guest Jasmine nor myself are medical professionals. We are just having a conversation on how we personally manage our, again, chronic conditions and or disorders. Please seek medical and professional help if you do not feel well or if you believe that you yourself might have a medical condition. On today's show, we are going to talk and touch upon panic attacks and anxiety disorders, Con mi nueva amiga, Jasmine, um, a proud Puerto Rican woman who fell in love with chemistry in high school and earned her Ph.D. in pharmacology. I want to make sure I'm yeah. saying it right. <laughs> <laughs> After completing her dissertation, she worked in high level management positions, designing programs that increase the quality of life and healthcare options for underserved population, populations, populations. She loved her work but struggled tremendously with being the only Latina in highly competitive white-dominated workspaces. She was overlooked, unrecognized, and overworked. Her confidence was being destroyed until she began to empower herself to know she deserved more and quit these toxic work environments. So kudos to you, girl. And I can't wait to hear more on that journey and your story. Um, She has been where most of us are and has navigated her way out. Now she is bursting with confidence, has a career she loves. She has fulfilled and has found success in every area of her life. Yes, queen, let me know. (laughs) Um, And welcome to Making Neither Moves. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I know I talked about how or who you are professionally, um, but if you wanna give us a little bit of insight, not only of like who you are professionally, but how we're going to deep dive into the anxiety and panic disorders um, and how, like, when was your first panic episode. Um, Did you know that that was actually happening? Or were you like, is this normal? Or is there something wrong with me? um, And can I get through this?
1: Yeah. So I think the best way to start would be to say that I really truly call myself a professional quitter. I am the person who has decided that I will quit any space, any environment, any person that is not in highest service of my spiritual health, my emotional health, or my mental health. And so I think it's important to start there because I wasn't always that person. I wasn't Mm. always the woman who was so focused, so diligently on putting myself first and especially putting my mental health and spiritual, my spiritual health first. And Mm. so I've learned that that's the most important thing to do for me. And I Mm. also believe that that's the most important thing for us all humans to do, to really be able to have the life, the professional life we truly deserve. And so my pathway with mental health, my pathway, uh, really getting diagnosed with anxiety and panic disorders, kind of stems from that. Because when I wasn't that way, I was always putting everyone else first. And especially when it came to my professional life, I grew up with parents who had, you know, my dad didn't go to college. She didn't even graduate high school. My mom went to college much later in life. And there was a lot of pressure to be successful, to make it out of the projects, to be, you know, the one that would be put Mm -hmm. on that. It was like, you were the first to graduate high school. You're first to go to college. You're the first to do all these things. And there's Mm -hmm. there's an immense amount of pressure there to really be able to claim that level of success that your family is working so hard for you to claim. And so Mm -hmm. that immense pressure really led to me trying to be a perfectionist, really led to me trying Mm -hmm. to do way too much and led Mm -hmm. to this kind of concept and mindset of I have to prove that I belong here because I was the only Latina in very white male dominated spaces in the STEM field. So I think all of that pressure really triggered me to not take care and tend to my own needs when Mm -hmm. it came to my spiritual, emotional and mental health. And I believe that that is actually what ended up triggering my anxiety and my panic disorder. And I didn't know that that's what it was in the beginning. You know, I I think that as Latinas, I think that as strong, powerful women, independent women, we are often programmed to really push through the limits and to really, you know, overextend ourselves. And so we might be experiencing things like burnout. We might be experiencing things like having, you know, some kind of mental health issue, but we're almost kind of like putting that to the back burner and really focusing on what do I have to do today? Who do I have to tend to today? Who do I have to care for today? So I didn't actually know that's what Mm. I was experiencing or what I was going through. Also, I was in a community in which seeking mental health support or even talking about that wasn't necessarily not accepted, but it just wasn't something that we talked about. You know, if I told my parents or if I told my dad or my mom, who loved me tremendously, but if I told right. them I'm struggling, it's almost kind of like this mentality of, oh, it'll be fine. Just like push through. You know, there yes. isn't that tending to of, okay, what does this struggling really truly mean. So I think Mm -hmm. there's a a lot that went into that sort of state of, you know, having anxiety, having those panic attacks, and not really knowing what I was experiencing. Because Mm -hmm. in communities, we don't, we don't, we still don't talk as much as we should about what that means. And, you know, the environmental factors of it, but also the pressures that were being put on
0: me inadvertently
1: to be Mm -hmm. successful.
0: Oh, no, totally agree. Um, And it's funny because I feel like a lot of parents, right, especially if you are first generation um, with immigrant parents, it's always like, well, you got to push through and bendito sea, right? It's always a bendito sea. Like, thank God we are here. Thank God we are not where others are. And it's always, and I get it, like, let's try to see the glass half full. But sometimes, like, absolutely not. Um, We do not need to see the glass half full. We do not need to have that mentality. And it's okay to talk about it. And I think another reason why it's probably not even talked about, one, because of exposure and education, but two, they don't even know how to talk about yeah. it Absolutely. Um, or, or how to address it and and how to care for you. So they repeat the same patterns that their parents probably told them, like, right, ponte las pilas, or like, keep moving forward. Like, you're still trudging through through the woods, and it's kind of like it's up to us to finally be like, okay, no, basta. That's enough. Um, we're gonna go ahead and break this generational cycle and we're gonna do it with the education that we seek. And so speaking on education, when after you know, you've know you been having these panic attacks and then these episodes of anxiety, was it a doctor who was the one who was like, oh, this is actually what you're happening. Did you have to go see a doctor? Um, and if you did, how was that experience for you? Well, I started
1: seeking mental health guidance and support when I was in graduate school because that's when it started to really become intense. So Mm -hmm. I got my bachelor's degree in biochemistry and then my PhD in pharmacology. And back when I was in the academic space, we were really at a dearth of women, especially women of color in the STEM field. So I started to feel the pressure of being a Latina in this very Mm -hmm. male dominated industry very early on. And then it just intensified as I went into the professional space because now we're talking about years of having experienced feelings of being the only, feeling that pressure and also putting a lot of pressure on myself Mm -hmm. So I started seeking help when I was in graduate school, because I almost quit my PhD. I was so close. I was sitting in the career services office. And I was having a conversation with an with an amazing woman there. Um, And she really helped me like, step off the deep end because I really yeah. was about ready to quit because I just didn't feel like I could handle it anymore. Um, and that was when she told me to go and seek mental, mental health support from, you know, free mental health support from our clinic at Yale. And honestly, I didn't, I hadn't put two and two together. Like I didn't right. understand what that meant. Um, mm-hmm. And so when I went and sat and really sat down with someone and talk through what I was going through, that was when I first really started to open myself up to seeking help, to getting help, and to understanding some of the thoughts that were running around in my mind. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't yet really open to it. I think when we talk about mental health support and mental health help, There's a lot of communication around that right now. There's also a lot of communication around mindfulness and affirmations and spiritual help, But Mm. that didn't really truly exist then. We're also talking about things like imposter syndrome and toxic workplaces. Those were you know, things that I, I had never heard about back then. So I did right. go to therapy, but only for a short amount of time. And it was almost kind of like, okay, I talked about it. I feel a little bit better. I'm not going to quit, you know, graduate school. I'm going to stick it out. So I thought the problem was kind of like solved with just this one little thing, not mm-hmm. realizing that there was so much compounding that was happening. And so much of my beliefs around work and work ethic and how to work were sort of intermingled into this, and that—that that was essentially what also had to be break, broken down, which is a serious, you know, way of uh, tackling some deep stuff. So I started that in graduate school. I thought mm-hmm. I was okay because I was able to get through the situation and scenario I was in, but I mm-hmm. didn't realize that stepping into the career environment was a whole nother beast.
0: Right. So once right once you were in your career and you were in this space. What was the point where you were like, basta, this is enough. Um, it took I don't, me, I don't need to be here. And then I'm going to start my own business. It took
1: me years to get to that point. I was in my career for 10 years before wow. I quit and started my own business. So what I want everyone to understand is wherever you are, you can start right? Wherever you are and with whatever emotions you have and with whatever is going, you are going through and what's going on, you can start. It took me 10 years before I finally was like, that's it. This environment, these environments are not for me. And I'm going to service myself in a completely different way, starting, starting my business full time. But I would say that about halfway through those 10 years, Around mm-hmm. year five, six was around the time where I was like, wait a second, my confidence is broken. I, I'm getting panic attacks, just getting on the train. On wow. Sunday nights, I had such intense anxiety that I couldn't even sleep. There was mm-hmm. just so many emotions flooding through my system that it would become incredibly hard to even just wake up, put my feet on the ground and start a day. And so it took a long time before I was finally like, I can't be doing this to myself anymore. My relationships were suffering. I started utilizing alcohol way too much. You know, it was almost like every single day I was leaving my job and saying, well, that sucked ass. So now I'm gonna have a cocktail. So Mm -hmm. I had to really see my life for what it truly was in that moment and how far I had gone from the person that I truly wanted to be in this space before I finally acknowledged okay, I really need, I really need help
0: here. Yeah. Um, And I think that's also giving yourself permission to go about and feel all those feelings, right? Like you're in a career for 10 years, you're saying midpoint, that's five years, that's still a very long time. And for Mm -hmm. you to finally be like, this is not the center of who I am, I am losing myself, I need to get back to who I really am, the core. And like, like I said, just giving yourself permission to Almost grieve, right? Like grieve that you were losing <laughs> yourself, grieving that you're becoming this person that you don't want to become, and almost being lost, um, and trying to find yourself and find your way again. Um, and and I and I thank you so much for being honest and transparent and letting us know, like, hey, it can it can take a while. Um, it's not just this easy mind shift. And I think that's what you that you see a lot in social media. It's like, oh, here's a mantra, like say it every day and everything's gonna be well. Um, and like, it's so much more than that. Yeah, um, absolutely.
1: It is. It's a very complicated. It's a very complicated thing to really go through. And I mm-hmm. want everyone to understand that when we talk about mental health and we talk about support in terms of mental health it's mental health is something that you can't see, right? You can't Mm -hmm. see the impact, but you can definitely feel the impact. You can feel how differently you're moving through the world. And you can sense that it's not the truest, most authentic version of yourself. And so Mm -hmm. when you start to feel those feelings or come across those feelings, it's really a moment just to be able to take a step back and ask yourself what kind of support you need, or even how you can tend to yourself. And so Mm -hmm. mental health is something that because we can't see it. It's not a wound. It's not something that's a physical ailment. It can be a little bit trickier for us to really pinpoint it and Mm -hmm. then to seek the support that that we need. But what I always do now is I tend to my body and I tend to myself and I tend to my spirit. I check in with myself a lot to see if I'm overwhelmed, to see if I'm feeling some of those emotions that I felt before. And that really triggers me to then think about what can I give myself What kind of support do I need? Pulling from my toolbox, pulling from the things that I know help me and guide me. How can I really start to support myself in the way that I need to?
0: And so leading to that, leading to those amazing points, um, you go from corporate, you start your own business, and as you know, like, I'm a business owner, you're a business owner, you know that you're the jack of all trades, and you are wearing every single hat, every single day. Um, I've mentioned it in a few episodes, like, you are the HR, you are the social media, you are the accountant, you are CEO, CFO, all of the above, including operations. Um, yes how do you navigate yourself to either, I guess, or the first question is, have you had panic attacks and anxiety attacks as an entrepreneur? And if you have, how do you navigate yourself from either one, stopping them or two, having them not be as intense as other episodes that you have had in the past?
1: Yeah. So I think that when we talk about mental health, I think mental health we talk, I mentioned, you know, the physical ailments, you can mm-hmm. see them, you can heal them. When we talk about mental health, I don't think you truly ever just, mental health just truly ever goes away, right? Agreed. I think that these Agreed. things are things that you learn how to manage during your day to day. And mm-hmm. so for me, you know, it's an interesting question when you say, do you experience panic attacks or do you experience anxiety as a business owner? The answer is yes and no right mm-hmm. it's 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 kind of a yes and answer mm-hmm. so when i was in you know the corporate space and i decided to quit that that was the moment that i really told myself i am going to always put myself first i'm going to follow my passions i'm going to follow what i believe to be my true purpose i'm going to support others help others guide others it was almost kind of like a switch got flipped where mm-hmm. Something within me was like, You are always going to be number one. Now, that doesn't mean that at times I don't slip and I put others first or I overextend myself, especially as a business owner. You mm-hmm. know, that that's something we do all the time. But because I made that conscientious decision and I decided I am putting me and my well being first, I'm capable of. Quickly, right? Like of catching myself so much quicker yeah. than I was before. So it's not to say that I don't experience this as a business owner, but it is to say that because of my practices, because of my commitment to myself and my well being, I am able to interject faster. And that I think is the most important thing here is that we don't think that these things just go away and it's we're never gonna experience it again, but that we understand that you just build techniques for yourself, you build tools for yourself that then allow you to recognize when it is happening the feelings of your body, the emotions that you're experiencing, and then that you have the tools to interject faster.
0: Agreed. Totally agree. And, um, like one of my tools is having a community that I know I can rely on. So there are times, um, especially with having PMDD where my anxiety is, is on an extreme level. Um, and my stress is on an extreme level. So even going to something as, and I I don't want to say simple, but, but it's something that we do as business owners quite often, but there are times where I'm about to go into a networking event and I can feel it coming. Right. And Mm so it's, it's you being able to catch the triggers, right. Being able to catch the triggers, but then also relying for me, it's relying on my support. So I know two to three people that I can call right away. Um, I've done it before in the past and then just walk me through it, you know, and come up with a plan. Like, you know, this networking event, that's three hours. You don't have to be there for three hours. You can be there. Check in with yourself every 15 minutes. I had a girlfriend once tell me this shout out to Paulette. She was like, "You you don't have to be there the whole time. Like do 15 minute increments, check in on yourself. And if you feel that you need to go, then you need to go. Um, and it's the overextending, like I, I need to make these connections. I need to, you know, build my business up. But sometimes it's it's, it's more putting yourself first, even before your business. And as business owners, that can get scary. Um, um, yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that tactic, too, of get, check in with yourself every 15 minutes at networking events. I'm going to give that to my clients because they that they, – I'm going to give that to myself because I have a night <laughs> that I need to go to, and I'm a total introvert, so I'm going to use that. That was <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, shout, like I said, shout out to Paulette. She's the one who who, who um, helped me do that. And that's what I do now. Like moving forward, every working event I've gone into, I'm like, okay, let me just check in on myself. 15 minutes, let's check in on myself. Would you say for your business, is it habit, motivation that keeps you thriving, or a bit of both?
1: Oh, that's such an interesting question. Um, so I think for myself, and I, yeah. I, tell this, I tell this to my clients all the time related to their goal setting, their job searching, what they're doing in their career, is that the true way and path to be able to achieve something is to have both the desire to achieve it but also the belief that it can happen or that you can actually do it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the magic sort of bullet is my desire and my belief. And um, so my desire to really be able to, you know, service as many women as possible to have the career that they deserve, to make the money that they deserve. My desire is, is at a hundred, right? I'm always desiring to be able to create these outcomes for, for other women for other women of color for other latinas there's there's nothing more i want to do in my life mm-hmm. but there are times where my belief in can mm-hmm. i achieve this can i make this happen you know can i get the next client am i going to be able to pay my you know business income this month my belief right. might waver and so that's the piece that i work on a lot is i have the desire to achieve my goals and my outcome But what do I need to do in terms of building the belief that I can actually achieve this? And I chunk my goals by my beliefs. So I love that. I like to think of it from the perspective of if my belief on a particular goal is not at a 10, then how do I chunk it down to the smallest increment that I do feel a 10 for this? And then once I feel that belief and that desire is high, then I really start to ask myself questions like, well, if I believe I can achieve this and my desire to achieve it is at a 10, like they're both there, they're both high. What do I feel energized to do or try? Who can help or guide me or support me in this? What kind of knowledge do I need to learn to truly be able to make this happen? So when you have that energy behind the belief and the desire, you really truly then start to step into this this place of possibility. And that possibility opens a lot of doors for you to of exploration. How can I explore how I need to be able to get this done or what I need to be able to get this done?
0: I love that reframing. Instead of motive, uh, motivation, and habit, it's belief and exploration. And I think sure. I'm going to take that. That's one of my takeaways um, from <laughs> this episode. A great, it's today. a great way to think about it because you
1: know it also helps you to explore this concept of do you really want it, right? So sometimes mm-hmm. we set goals. And we don't achieve them because, our, because not, not do we not believe we could do it, actually our belief is high, but our desire is low. We just don't mm-hmm. want to do it. So I think it's really a nice playful way to kind of think about the energy behind your goal setting. And do you really believe you can achieve it? And do you desire to as
0: well? And I think that makes it very intentional and personal um, yeah. and for you to go ahead and again check in with yourself because mm-hmm. I agree with that statement hundred percent. Like, do I have the desire to do certain things? No, but I see it on social media all the time, right? Like it's injected yeah. in social media. Like, there's always something going on and there's a new trend that you just have to follow because it's going to increase your following, which is going to increase your sales and blah, 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 like all of this. So you're like, it's, shiny object syndrome. So you're yeah. like, oh, yes, I need to do that. Or, oh, yes, I also need to do this and this and this. And then when, and then you end up doing nothing because your heart wasn't really in it. But that's not you because that's not your belief. Like, you know, internally, where you want to get to, sometimes you just need guidance. And it's not always what these social media influencer gurus are saying. Um, and that's okay. It's okay to not follow the crowd or follow um, these gurus that, that, that you see, like just pumping you up, um, with unnecessary desire to do things that don't align with your mission, um, with your values within your business.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's such a great way to put it. Cause as a business owner, geez, you get bombarded with so <laughs> many different things. And, you know, every single day, just this morning, I got sent an email about joining, a, um, you know, a free webinar and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh I got to join this webinar. Cause they're going to teach me how to become a millionaire. And it's like, okay, stop it. Like the, the other guy yesterday said the same thing, you know, like, so you really do have to check in with yourself and, you know, ask yourself those deep questions of, you know, do I really desire to do this? And maybe it is a desire, but you know, there isn't time. So you have to, you know, put it on the to-do list for
0: later. So yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Again, okay. just just a, another another stroll down the tough avenue of being a business owner. <laughs> um, what would yeah. you say are some tips and tricks that you um, do that might be able to help our listeners manage their panic attacks or their anxiety episodes? Again, listeners, this isn't professional counseling or advice. Yeah. This is just me asking Jasmine on a conversa- uh, conversational tone yeah. um, and not a medical or professional tone.
1: Yeah, yeah. I am a doctor, but not that kind of doctor. So (laughs) I can give you my personal, you know, the personal things that I do. Mm -hmm. So when I was first feeling um, anxiety, when I was first feeling panic attacks, it was really about, and I love how you've been saying this consistently throughout the check-ins with myself, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Something doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel off. You are the number one noticer of your own body and your own feelings, thoughts, and emotions. We just have to cultivate that self-awareness and have those check-ins with ourselves to be able to say something doesn't feel right. When I noticed that was happening and then experiencing the symptoms that I had, really seeking out the professional support and seeking out the help was so Professional support was essential, but also I love how you talked about community, right? So you might have a community of individuals who are not necessarily professionals in the field, but people that you can talk to about what you're experiencing. And here's the thing. I've found that when we open up and become vulnerable and talk about the things that we're going through, we automatically find people who are also going through it. Mm. It's just that we don't talk about it, right? Like we just talk about these things. But as soon as you open the door for someone to also express their vulnerabilities and talk to you in that way, you will find those individuals. So seeking out community, seeking out professional support, for me, I became incredibly spiritual. So a lot of the ways that I manage and deal with anxiety, overwhelm, Um, perfectionism, which still are things that I deal with and panic attacks, is through the spiritual process. So Mm -hmm. the process of checking in with myself is I journal every day, I meditate every day. I spend a lot of time with myself. And that's another thing that I think we don't do enough of or is very challenging. It can also be just really challenging for us, right? If you're a mom, if you have a partner, like It's tough to find that time for you, but that is truly essential because when you spend time with you, you are really then cultivating that sense of self and understanding more of your feelings, your thoughts, and your emotions. So I spend a lot of time with myself, a lot of time checking in with how do I think this day is going? How do I think this week is going? Where do I feel like I am starting to get that feeling of overwhelm that could potentially trigger anxiety or a panic attack. And I take that step back to then reach into my my toolbox and pull out whatever tool I think I need. Sometimes it's calling a friend. Sometimes it's asking my spiritual advisor for an extra session. Sometimes it's just taking a freaking nap. I cannot tell you how many probably panic attacks I have stopped just because I've said to myself, you're not feeling well, you're feeling overwhelmed and you're really tired because you're doing a lot, take a nap.
0: Like just that. <laughs> That's um, that changed my life. <laughs> no, they really have. Um, I had, a, um, her name is Ilona, Ilona Pamplona. And she was the first person who was like, just take a nap. Just yeah. A nap. And I remember the first time, right? Like coming from corporate America, I was like, what are you talking about? Like the inefficiency of taking a nap was just mind boggling to me because I was still on that hamster wheel, right? We're not being productive. What do you like? What do you mean? Close your eyes Um, and then snore for 20 minutes. Like, are you kidding me now? I'm like, Ilona, you have changed my life. Um, And this is not something that that I do. And I'm not going to say weekly or daily. It's just, again, the check in with yourself and you're just like, nope, can't handle this. Um, I was going through, uh, you know, some tough times with my family just last week, you know, we got we got a health scare with my mom, and it was a big episode. And so you know, like, still trying to, like, maintain my business try and then I'm the oldest one, and I'm the only daughter. So trying to take care of that manage that Um, having an ER scare, it was just it it became so much Mm -hmm. that first thing I did was just cry it out, cried it out. And then afterwards, I'm like, you're exhausted, like you're exhausted because you're doing the most. You're not only trying to take care of your business, you're trying to take care of yourself and your mother. Uh, you need to go ahead and just go lay down and take a 20. And that's what I did. And I came back and it was a little more refreshing. I'm not gonna say that I felt like, oh, kumbaya and I felt better, like 100% better. I did it, but I did have some more clarity to be like writing down a list. Okay, these are the priorities now. Stuff is going to be changing for the next few weeks. This is time where you're calling your support. This is where you have to start outsourcing, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And so it might have not been the like 100% happy me, but I was able to be more level-headed, more level-minded, and figure out what the priorities are, um, how they were going to shift because my priorities were changing.
1: Absolutely, and you know it's it's funny like when we slow down, when we take a nap when we lay lay down and just breathe Mm -hmm. you have the capability of connecting to the highest version of you right like Mm -hmm. because you can't make that connection to that inner being or that inner spirit when you are go 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 and your brain is running 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 there it's impossible it's almost kind of like the white the white noise is there so you can't Mm -hmm. hear that internal voice so Mm -hmm. Similar things happen to me after a nap where it's almost kind of like I quiet the noise and Mm -hmm. then I wake up, I'm like much more capable of saying, "Okay, now what do I really need to do? Right. Like what Mm -hmm. really needs to happen? And I think in that moment where you pause and you just let you just shut the noise down, you shut the movement down that's when you're really capable of tapping into another version of you that has the capacity to help and guide you and support you. So this is why this is so important. I mean, you know, people don't have to take naps, but it's important for you to stop, stop, and just shut it off because Mm -hmm. you are essentially not tapped into that version of you who can help and guide and support you to the extreme. That's what you want.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Um, and like you had mentioned, if it's not naps, it's like going to take the walk, right? I know everyone's yeah. like, oh, just go take a walk. And, and again, I was so like, what are we doing? Let's grab the phone and let's take the walk and be proactive. right?" Pro, and I'm putting that in quotations, yes. proactive. But yeah, no, your mind is spiraling even more because the first thing you do is you look at social media and you're either doing the comparisons, like you're compared, comparing yeah. yourself, or you just see the news and you're like freaking out even more. You're doom scrolling basically. So then I've had to learn to be like, you're going to take a three block walk, whatever that entails, if that entails the crying, if that entails the prayers, if that entails like calling on my ancestors and asking them for guidance, like whatever it is, you owe yourself those three to four blocks. Um Sometimes it turns out to be longer. Sometimes it's just the three to four blocks because that's all I can have time for. But yeah, it really does bring clarity and um and i'm glad that we're able to share that with our listeners so that's pretty cool yeah we talked about we talked about community and like finding your support system when you told your inner circle including your family um were they supportive when you let them know like hey i've been diagnosed with panic attacks as well as anxiety um were they a little hesitant i know we talked about how sometimes we don't even know how to navigate those conversations with our parents But how was that experience for you when you finally were vulnerable and let them know what was going on with you and and within your life?
1: I don't know that I ever actually told my parents that I was diagnosed. Mm. Like, I don't think that was ever a discussion that I had with them, to be honest. Mm -hmm. That's not, you know, funny enough, I'm sitting here asking myself why. And it's not because I wouldn't tell them. It's almost kind of like, do you ever feel like you have to, Protect your parents in some way from things.
0: A hundred percent. It's
1: more like that, you know. Like I've just gotten to a point in my life where I do lots of wild things. I do lots of, and not wild as in I'm like running out there doing crazy shit. I, mean, <laughs> you know, I pick up and I move somewhere. I start. I quit my whole career and start a business. I'm just kind of in flux. A lot and I like that about myself I like that freedom that I've given myself to live in the way that I want to Mm -hmm. and I just just give them that you know dosage (laughs) I dose them
0: (laughs) I hear you it's like I don't know if they can handle it all (laughs) (laughs) and I feel like that's not only protecting them but that's also protecting yourself and protecting your people (laughs) yeah you don't want to deal with it like when I got diagnosed with PMDD, I knew, I knew how it was going to go down with my mom. Yeah. So it took me a while to tell her. I actually told my father be told, before I told my mother because I knew, even though he probably wouldn't grasp or fully understand what was happening with my body, he would get, okay, Me, ha- like, she's not, she doesn't do well for one to two weeks before a period comes. And, like, yeah. so if the ex... If she asked cray cray, like that's not on her. And now we understand why she acts cray cray. Um, with my mom, I knew how it was gonna go down. And when I told her, it went down the way that I knew it was gonna go down, right? The dismissal, the not really listening, the let's move on to another subject. But I had to build myself, right? I had to build my resilience before I even told her. So I had to tap into my support system, which wasn't my family. And let them know, like, hey, I know this is going to happen. And then being like, you know, it's okay. Like, you don't have to tell her ASAP. Like, you can tell her whenever you want to yeah. tell her. Because um, that, you know, that that's the you thing. And, yeah, like, it went down the way I thought it was going to go down. And, sure, it was hurtful. But it wasn't, like, a knife to the chest. Which I know if I hadn't had the therap- the therapy, the support system, the group of friends, it would have hurt so much more than what it had.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's really the key thing here is I think you have to do what is right and what's best for you. And mm-hmm. I had an I had a community and I still do of people who know what I've gone through. Who know- in through that journey and how I experience it. Um, I have friends of mine who are such beautiful souls that they can sense when I'm overwhelmed or when I'm coming to a certain place and they know like that's the moment to check on me. They, they, they see certain habits happening mm. and they know that that's like the moment where, okay, we need, we need to, to activate a reach out here. Right. Um, right. So there are people who support me through it and who know about it. I think when it comes to my parents and my family, you know, I selectively choose Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. things that I want them to know or don't want them to know. And it's not because I don't love them or trust them or I don't think that they love me or trust me. It's just they're my parents and I, I don't feel like telling them
0: everything. And I think that's something that we as we get older we learn. Like when you're a child, yeah. you're like, Oh, I have to tell them everything. Yeah, um, tell and, them. and then and the, the older, older
1: like you you realize, you know, one of the most beautiful things that I've realized about my parents is they love me and they support me and yes. they can help me in the way that they love me, they support me, and they can help me. And so I always know what to go to them for advice on, support on, guidance on, and help with, just the same way as I have friends who I know are gonna help mm-hmm. me, guide me, and support me through certain things and not through other things.
0: So I don't think it's any different. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, I think what we're talking about essentially is boundaries. And knowing <laughs> know your boundaries different we're we a different Community members, you know, like not all your community members are going to know the like the 100 of you. Some are going to know 87. Some are going to know 15. And that's OK. They're all members. And yeah. And it, I think that's essentially just what we're saying is, you know, your boundaries with your peeps. You love them. Right. You'll ride hard for them. But the boundaries and
1: that's OK. The boundaries. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that way of thinking about it. Yeah. For 100 percent.
0: Are there any resources such as books, websites, podcasts that you follow that um, help you learn more about and manage your panic attacks as well as as well as your anxiety?
1: So I would say the number one thing to do is you if you feel you are experiencing anxiety attacks, panic disorder, is to go seek professional help. Mm -hmm. What I did was I went through more of a spiritual journey. So a lot of the healing that I did that. Really helped my mental health and to help me to be able to manage all of the different things that go on in my life were spiritual things. Mm -hmm. So, tapping more into inner child work, really working with spiritual advisors and professionals who could more so help me understand my patterns and my beliefs that were triggering or leading to me overworking or leading to me thinking that I had to live life a certain way, which were then triggering panic attacks. And anxiety. So a lot of what I did was really breaking down those like, old school belief systems that were kind of placed upon me, and really allowing myself the ability to live life the way that I want to live it. And in doing that, so much of this has really just kind of gone away and dissipated, or I'm much more capable of catching it quicker.
0: I was going to say, when I was in corporate America and people would say, follow your gut, I would get pissed. I would be like, what the fuck does that even mean? Again, like, where is the time for this intuition? Where is the time for this gut? I don't understand. Like, let's just look at the data. Let's look at the, like, let's analyze the data and let's just come up with, with a plan or a solution. Yeah. right? Like, that was always my response. Like, I would never understood when people would say, just follow your gut once I started doing spiritual work, once I started finding community with spiritual work, it has complete, and it's been through only three years. Um, mm-hmm. But within the three years, I can say that this is the time in my life where I know me the most because I've done the work, right? I've done, whether it's the shadow work, um, whether it's the working through with a professional, with a spiritual guide, um, it, and, and it's crazy, it's crazy because now I'm like, let's just follow our intuition. <laughs> when before I was yeah, like, absolutely. what does that even it's mean? The best, thing,
1: the best thing to do. And I think, you know, I think for the people who ask, what does that mean? Take mm-hmm. a nap, <laughs> mm-hmm. take a nap, implement the tools and the resources that are just small, minor changes. I, I, I tell my clients all the time, like if you just become more aware of your inner narrative you will be able to change your whole life. Like yeah. that's all you have to do is become more aware of the things you're saying to yourself and then asking yourself questions. Like, why would I ever say that to me? Like, where does yeah. that come from? Where does that even stem from? What belief do I need to break down? Like if you start to almost treat yourself as an external observer, like I'm looking at myself and I'm really trying to identify what's going on with me, you will completely transform your life.
0: I totally agree. And like, just to add upon that, for me, it's also getting in tune with my body. And how I do that is by stretching, Um, especially with PMDD, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of pelvic tension that I have. So I've learned different stretches and different techniques to open up the pelvic area, which in turn helps me move around my whole body, right? Because there's different positions. And so moving the arms, moving the hips, moving the legs. And I know that has helped me as well, be in tune, uh, not only mentally, but also physically. And like, that's another check-in, is like checking in on your body. Like, where does your body need more love? Where do you need to tender it more? Where do you need to stretch out a little more? Um, And not just that, like, now that I'm no longer in my 20s, stretching definitely goes a long way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jasmine, I was so amazing having you, everyone. I hope that we learned so much um, that you learned so much. I know that there was definitely gems that were dropped throughout this whole episode. If our viewers and listeners want to keep up with you and want to keep in touch with you, how do they follow you? What are your biggest social media platforms um, where they can contact you and see what you're working on?
1: Absolutely. So I am on LinkedIn primarily Mm -hmm. as my primary form of contact and you can find me at Jasmine Escalera there. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Jasmine Escalera coaching. I do have a podcast as well that provides weekly career tips and advice coming from both a strategic and mindful perspective. Mm -hmm. And that's called her next career move. Um, and yeah so those would be the three best places to just kind of drop in see what i'm all about and if you ever want any support in terms of your job search or your career please for sure shoot me a dm and i'd be happy to supply you with information about how to work with me
0: awesome again jasmine thank you so much for sharing tu tiempo y tu knowledge um I know that we haven't technically met in person, but I'm going to go ahead and just manifest that shit out right now that we will absolutely.
1: listening.
0: <laughs> for all of those who have joined, thank you so much for listening. I hope you were able to receive the gems and knowledge that were dropped on today's episode. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Cinco estrellitas, por favor. <laughs> And join the online community, Making Leader Moves, on Facebook as well as Instagram. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us at makingleadermoves at gmail.com. Gracias once again, and I will catch you on the next episodio. Abrazos, besos y cariño, familia. Hasta la próxima. Chao.